Well, good morning and happy new year. There is nothing like uh, celebrating with people you love and thank you for being here today. For those of you who are our guests, we wanna welcome you. Um, I did have someone to assist me in introducing our speaker, but she decided not to because she's only two and that happens. Uh, she has absolutely revolutionized my week. She arrived on Tuesday. This is my granddaughter, Eleanor. I have not hidden under a, an ironing board or a coffee table or the closet as many times as I have this week. But who can resist when the little darling says, Papa, hide. And so whatever she wants, we're going to do. And uh, it's been so much fun. Um, our speaker today is Robert, my son. Um, I am glad to have my daughter Tiffany here from California. I call them my California kids um, because that's where they live. So would you join me in welcoming uh, Rob, who's going to come and speak for us on this first Sunday. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Happy New Year to you all. Um, I come from Huntington Beach, where it's a little bit warmer than it is here. Um, last week uh, at church, I was showing people, because this is what you do in Huntington Beach. You brag about the weather, and you, like, if there's any sort of variation, you freak out. So, like, we have, like, a dip. There's, like, a, there's, like, a California dip anytime it rains, because it rains so not often. Um, there's, like, a dip, like a 20 to 30, I don't know how many percent dip of people who just don't go to church. We're like, can you see the weather outside? It was sprinkled. Um, but I was showing people when I got up here, like, yesterday. I'm like, guys, this is where I'm going. And it was, like, back when you guys were in the negatives. You remember that time? Um, Unbelievable. So thank you for warming it up when we got here. That was, that was very, very nice of you guys. Um, yeah, we're so happy to be here, so happy to spend time with family. And um, you guys probably hear about, I watched your guys' services, and I know that you hear a lot about my daughter. Okay? So thank you for, uh, th for hearing about her. Um, I'm probably going to talk about her today, to be honest with you, so just get ready. Um, but today I want to talk to you guys about a passage of Scripture that's so famous it's actually permeated culture. Like this passage of scripture, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you follow Jesus or not, it finds its way in speeches, in songs, in movies, in conversations. It's referenced in literature, and it's even recited by athletes before big games. Did you know that before uh, Texas A&M in 2021 upset then number one Alabama by a game-winning kick from kicker Seth Small, do you know what Seth said that he did the night before the game? He said that in his bed, he, he recited this over and over and over again. He said it gave him great comfort. Do you know that this, this passage was actually featured in the movie Titanic being read aloud as the ship was sinking? This passage is prominently featured in the 90s rap classic, Gangster's Paradise. A song I think this crowd knows pretty well. <laughs> President Bush read this passage of scripture to a nation reeling from the attacks of 9-11. It's probably the most well-known passage in the Old Testament. And there's so many people who know this passage but there's so many people who have not received what this passage can actually bring to them. Because you know that there is a difference between knowing something and being transformed by something. Do you know there's a difference? And I think some of the problems that we may have as Christians and people who have been in the game for a long time 
is you can become so familiar with something that you forget its transformative power that's supposed to actually change you, like to mold you and to shape you into something different. It's like somebody who handles, like works at a jewelry store and handles diamonds all the time. When something becomes so familiar to you, you actually may forget the, the valuable things that you have, the, the amount of worth that you actually have in your hands. There's a difference between knowing something and being transformed by something. And this passage has the ability to transform your life. And this passage, if you let it, will actually give comfort and peace to you when you desperately need it. This passage is helpful for people who feel like they can't make it, who feels as if their enemies and the walls are closing in, who feels as if death is at their doorstep, who feel as if all hope is lost. So today we're just gonna look at this passage, which is really a gift from a very generous God to a lowly people. King David wrote this psalm, and in the 70 years of David's life, he experienced incredibly high highs and incredibly low lows. You know, David was anointed king as a young age. David, he was, he, you, know, he, you know the story, he defeated Goliath. David like, was victorious in battle. After battle, he was like this amazing warrior king of Israel. It was said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. That's awesome. How do you get that title? That's incredible. He was beloved by the people. Hit songs were written about David back in the day. But David also experienced some incredibly low lows. David was betrayed by his predecessor, King Saul, and he was chased out of the kingdom like a fugitive for years and years and years as an anointed king. He was chased. He was a fugitive. David, when he was king, his son Absalom betrayed him and tried to take the kingdom from him. And there was like this civil war and ended up with Absalom being killed. And even though he had betrayed him, he was so devastated that his son died. You know, David also did some things. He also had some things in his life that dishonored God that caused fracturing in his life and in his family's life. He sinned. He saw Bathsheba bathing and was so attracted to her that he had sex with her. And he got her pregnant and he tried to cover it up. And tried to covering it up, he killed her husband. And because of all of this sin and the mess that he tried to fix, his baby died. David knew what grief was. He knew what challenges were. He knew what joy was. And against this backdrop of his life and what he had discovered about God, he writes Psalm 23. And chances are, you know this verse. You know this chapter. But let us not be so familiar with something that we don't let it transform us from the inside out. If you're here today and you need peace, maybe you're like bracing for like a, a, a year where you know that you're gonna have to deal with some things this year. Maybe you have some things coming at you that you just, I, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know, I don't know what to do over here. My, my prayer for you is that you would actually let the words of this chapter wash over your souls. And for you to not simply know this very popular verse that many people know, 
but you'd actually let it transform you. Because the Lord is so wanting to bless you. The offer of, of Psalm 23 is an offer that he so wants to give you. If only you will let him. So let's read it together. You turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you know that everybody has a shepherd? Like everybody has something that they turn to to guide them and to lead them and protect them. You know, your shepherd may be your money. Your shepherd may be your intellect. Your shepherd may be your family. Your shepherd may be your job. And really, your shepherd is like anything that you turn to for guidance, anything you turn to to help you. This is what your shepherd is. And the problem with having some of these good things, like the things I just listed, be your shepherd, is that eventually it, it is good until it is not good. It is helpful until it is not helpful. It, it goes until its power completely runs out. Because here's what we know about life. When you have these things guiding you, eventually there comes to a limit. And the next thing happens, like if you make, if you make money your shepherd, eventually you're gonna need more money. It's, it's never gonna be enough. You know, there's always gonna, a new level that you need to attain. There's always that new thing that you need to get. You know, I deal with young adults all the time and one of the biggest things that we talk about is like relationships and every, you know, dating and marriage and all this kind of stuff. And so often, so many people, like even if, you might believe this now, even if you're not a young adult, you might believe the lie of like, man, if only I can get that boyfriend, because if I can get that boyfriend, then I can get that husband, and if I get that husband, I can get, I'll be married, and then we can get a house, and then after we get the house, we can get the dog, and after the dog, we can get the kid, and after the kid, maybe we, maybe we get a second kid, and we live, you know, I'm from Southern California, so when you get a second kid and you want to upgrade houses, it's too expensive, so you move to Tennessee or Missouri, There's always something new. There's always like this next thing and you've experienced this. You know this to be true. Like the things that you look to to guide you and, and help you and to protect you, there's a limit to its power. There's a limit to its guidance. There's a limit to what it's able to offer you. And this stands in stark contrast for what David is actually revealing to us about God. He says that if God, if the Lord is your shepherd, then you lack nothing. You shall not want. And this is the foundational part of Psalm 23. You need to understand this before you understand anything else about this because if the Lord is your shepherd, the ramifications are vast. David says, the Lord is your shepherd, you, you lack nothing. You may not have everything you want in life, but you realize that the Lord is your shepherd that 
You don't need anything else. And this is one foundational truth about God, and I think this is the thing that trips up a lot of people because we love stuff. We love things. We love pursuing stuff that gives us the satisfaction that we're looking for in the moment. And we don't, we, like, we look at this exchange and we're like, okay, if I, that means I have to sacrifice what I'm currently letting guide me and lead me to give up to the Lord. I don't know if I want to make that exchange. Like, for real, like, I just don't know if I want to, like, that, that exchange rate seems a little bit, I, I just don't know about it. And the, the truth is, if you want to make the Lord a shepherd, you will have to sacrifice. You will have to, you have to recognize and admit that the thing that you're doing, that the, the people that are guiding you, the things that are guiding you, that they're not going to amount to anything in the end. And so you have to trade that for the Lord as your shepherd. But what so many people don't realize is that when you make the Lord your shepherd, and you sacrifice what you are currently letting guide you to having the Lord guide you, the exchange rate doesn't make any sense. Like what you get in return far outweighs anything that you've given up. This is the exchange rate of the Lord. Like God's economy doesn't work like God or our economy. It's so much better than you could have ever imagined. It's like a kid who's like hoarding onto his McDonald's Happy Meal when his dad wants to take him to a steak dinner. We don't fully comprehend the ramifications of if you, if you just let, let me take that, I want to give you something so much more and so much more fulfilling and so much better. God has so many great things for you and he wants you to recognize that his goodness is the only thing that you will ever need. And unfortunately, a lot, of us, a lot of us come to this conclusion in life whenever we lose everything. Maybe there's something, things that have been taken away from you and you get to the point where you don't have anything else but God. And you realize in that moment, when God is all you have, that God is all you need. You know, I have a, I have a, I have a friend who um, didn't really think much about God until his girlfriend that he was convinced he was going to marry broke up with him. And he began to spiral and he didn't know what to do. And he came to church because he didn't know what else there was. And he realized at his lowest point that God was there. And he realized, wow, this is what I've been missing this whole time. When something is taken away from you, a job, a relationship, um, some sort of security that has been your shepherd, you have this, like, you, you, kind of have, you kind of realize, God, you've been here the whole time. You've been able to, you're actually able to manage what I'm going through. When God is all you have, you realize that God is all you need. And when God is your shepherd, you won't need anything else. I love what David says here in the next part. The Lord, he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. You know, this week we went to uh, us, my family, along with everyone else in, in Southwest Missouri, went to Silverdar City. And um, it was like, you know, the first couple days of it being a little bit more warm and everyone's like, we're out of the house now. We're going, to, we're going out. Um, and by the way, like being in California where there's Disneyland, I try, like I just like get so much pride for Missouri. I'm just like, like they talk about Disneyland. I'm like, have you guys heard of Silver City? Um, it's awesome. I'm like, I don't get, I'm like, it's like a, 
I don't know how to describe it really. It's like old timey, but, uh, and they're just like, don't get it. I'm like, it's like a Cracker Barrel <laughs> with roller coasters. <laughs> and if that's not the best way to describe Silver Dollar City to people who have no context, I don't know what else there is. But we were out there and um, like just packed full of people and like my whole family's there. And then like our, because it's so like busy, we're trying to figure out what the next to do. And like uh, ho- um, Holly and my dad get a little bit separated from us. And so Holly is like sees my dad kind of like looking in like a sea of people like, where did my family go? And, and so Holly just yells out, dad. And about 40 men just turn around. <laughs> And because at Silver City, if you yell the word dad, the chances are, like, one of their, one of the, well, first off, dads are just like, I probably did lose one, didn't I? Like, you know? <laughs> Kyla can tell me, like, hey, can you keep an eye on Eleanor? I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. Then I, like, forget one thing. She goes, where's the baby? I'm like, uh, so, hey, she, I, I'll find her. Um, but she looked, she said, dad. And everybody looked. But then once they realized it wasn't, their kid, they kind of kept moving. But my dad said, oh, I can tell my daughter's voice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to my daughter. There's something special about being able to have, not just have a dad in the crowd, but to have your dad in the crowd. And that's what David is writing about when he says the Lord is my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd, He's not just a God, he's your God, he's yours. Like think about this for a second. The God who created everything, who manages everything, who is so cosmically greater than you, allows you to call him yours and mine. He's my God. And this is one of the greatest differences between Christianity and every other faith out there Gods are still so much higher away from us. In Christianity, it's the story of a God who has come close, so close that he, we, he allows us for, him to call, for us to call him Father. And God, he's not afar off from you. He's here. And if you let him, he will be your shepherd. Because he knows you. He knows you by name. You cry out to him, who recognize your voice. He's here for you. God could be doing anything else in the world, anything else in the universe, but he chooses to be close to you and to guide you. So if your God is your shepherd, what is he going to do? In verse number two, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. You know, my daughter, Eleanor, who didn't want to come up, to the stage a second ago. She's uh, almost two and a half. And there's just some things that we, Kyla and I, make Eleanor do. Do you make your kids do stuff? We make Eleanor do this one thing. And if you're a good parent, you probably make your kid do this as well. We make Eleanor take a nap. We make her take a nap. And I don't know if you guys have experienced this as parents. Like, there's actually a time there's actually a situation where you can actually go past nap time and totally miss nap time. And your kid will be so tired that they can't fall asleep. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And it's not the best version of them. 
It's, it's unbelievable. And so that's why we love Eleanor. And we know that the best version of Eleanor is not the sleep-deprived version of Eleanor. And so we make her take a nap. We make her lie down. And guess what? She cries sometimes. She's, she's like, I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to take a nap. And we tell her, I don't care. Go to sleep. You know, it's like uh, the Incredible Hulk. It's like, you won't like me when I'm angry. I feel like every toddler's like, you won't like me when I'm sleepy. It's the life that we're in right now. And listen to this. The first, if the Lord is your shepherd, the first thing that the Lord will make you do, he makes you do something. Which just seems just like, you know, some people hear the word like the Lord makes you do something and it just like your skin crawls. You don't want the Lord to tell you to do anything. You don't want anyone to tell you to do anything. And what does the Lord make you do? What is the first thing that he makes you do if he's your shepherd? Is it work hard, do more, be better, get it together more? No, he doesn't say that. The first thing that the Lord does when he becomes your shepherd He says, hey, you need to lay down and sleep. You need to to settle down. You need to calm your soul. You need to rest. You 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 need to sleep. It's amazing. Like God is like the most incredible shepherd. You know, God shepherd this prophet Elijah similar to this in the Old Testament. You know, Elijah... Was like one of the most, one of the greatest prophets for the Lord, and he had this time where the people of Israel were just worshiping Baal, and there was an evil king and queen in Israel, and he just was, he was sick of it, and he wanted the people to turn back to the Lord, so he calls for a short showdown on Mount Carmel, and he's like, it's a, it's like it's the Lord God versus Baal, and and, the, and the, he wins, like fire falls from heaven, uh, the people see that the Lord is really the true God, they kill the prophets of Baal, and what I imagine Elijah was hoping for. Would, would for there to be this like amazing like overthrowing of this evil king and queen in Israel or for them to like totally turn away, everything would go better. And what happens is even though he was victorious, the king and queen were still in power. And even the queen actually said, who was like the real culprit of, for the evilness of what was going on, the queen said, I'm not gonna sleep until Elijah's head is on a, right in front of me. And so Elijah, after this great victory, feels so defeated and so he just starts running the opposite direction of where he's at. He leaves his servant. He runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And he gets to the point where he just gets to tell God, God, I want to die. Just, take, just kill me. I don't, I don't even want to be alive. And he falls asleep. And the angel of the Lord comes. And he wakes him up. And you know what? He doesn't say, hey, Elijah. Dude, get it together, man. What are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, that's not the way the Lord shepherds. The Lord, do you know what he did? The Lord, he, the, the angel said, hey, uh, here's some food. Here's some water. Drink it, eat it. And he ate it. And he said, go back to sleep. And he went back to sleep. And he woke him up again. He's like, hey, here's some more, here's some more food, here's some more water. He said, the journey is too much for you. Eat this and drink this. And in this process of God shepherding Elijah began the restoring of Elijah's soul. 
we follow a God, we follow a shepherd who makes us lie down in green pastures. And the thing is, God is the only one who can calm you down enough to do this. Because the story of the world is like, hey, you gotta keep working, you gotta keep doing, if you, you gotta keep working hard, you gotta keep achieving, because as soon as you take a step back, if, as soon as you take the foot off the gas, somebody else is gonna come in and take everything that you worked for. So keep going, keep striving, keep working harder and harder and harder, and we live in a culture that is so fast-paced, so moving, so anxious, so depressed, so suicidal, and we really do believe the lie that working harder and doing more can actually be the thing to save you. Because as soon as you don't do something, someone will replace you. The things you worked hard for will be taken away. But the Lord as your shepherd actually comes to us in the midst of this pace of life that we're all in, that we're all susceptible to. And he says, take a break. You need to slow down. And I need you to sleep. And I know that things won't get done probably the way that you think they should be getting done. But you need to know that I'm so powerful. I'm so strong. I'm actually able to manage things even when you sleep. Do you see the kind of shepherd the Lord is? The kind of weight that he takes off of you? It's in this process of resting that he revives your soul. I'm always so, I'm always just, I guess the older I get, the more I'm like fascinated by just the regular things of life. And I'm just like, man, when I sleep, no matter how tired I am, when I wake up, I'm like rejuvenated. Like we, we kind of know this to be true, but like that's, that doesn't make sense, you know? Like it's, it's just kind of crazy. And the Lord, he uses his process to revive your soul. When your soul is sorrowful, he revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. And when it is weak, he will give you strength. The next verse, it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Flock was to lead the sheep in the right way, was to pass, pasturing his flock, was to lead the sheep in the right way towards food and water to fend off predators. And the shepherd was responsible for the welfare and the safety of the sheep. And if God is your shepherd, if the Lord is your shepherd, then he will always lead you away from sin and towards righteousness. And get this, he is not only motivated to protect you because he loves you, there's like multifaceted reasons of why God wants to bless you. And one of the reasons that God wants to bless you is because for his namesake. Do you know that God actually has put his name on top of you? Like you have, you, because if you follow Jesus, if he is your shepherd, you actually share the identity of Christ. Like this is amazing. And listen, God is motivated to protect you, to bless you, because his name is on you. His reputation is on you. This is amazing. Like this is, this is unbelievable. It's like, it's like if you were in a cooking competition and you get paired up with Gordon Ramsay. Even if you can't cook very well, the dish that you are going to present is probably gonna be very good. Why? Because Gordon Ramsay has a reputation to uphold. He has the ability to manage even when a chef isn't very good. 
The same is true with the Lord. If you have the Lord as your shepherd, he puts his name on you. You become his, you are in his family, and he is motivated to bless you. He's motivated to keep you. He's motivated to guide you and sustain you because you are his. He cannot fail. And so God will always, always, always continue to lead you and guide you if you let him. Even if you fall, even if you mess up, even if you sin, the Lord is motivated to pick you back up because he loves you and his name is on you for his name's sake. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, the unavoidable part of life that we all have experienced is this thing called death and it touches us all. You can't avoid it. And we're really good as people to just avoid thinking about death to the last possible moment. And then we deal with it and we turn it off again and we turn the music back up and we don't have to, want to have to deal with it. And we do this because we're afraid. We do this because we don't have the right person shepherding us. And the promise of the good shepherd is not a promise of avoidance of the hard realities of life. The promise of the good shepherd is to walk you through all the valleys of life, even the valley of the shadow of death. And here's the thing, if you have the good shepherd, you don't have to be afraid because he has his rod and his staff instruments of guiding and protecting. You know, these are these stories of David when he was a shepherd boy. You know, I love the imagery that David uses because he just, the Holy Spirit through the inspiration like is using his actual experiences of life to communicate things about God. And like David, there's stories of David, uh, you know, actually see, like seeing a lion, seeing a bear, like the, the sheep are in like the jaws of these animals and he like fights them and kills them. Listen, I've seen a bear and a lion up close at the zoo. I've never once thought, I think I could take them. No, never, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And David, like, prized them out of the, the jaws of these dangerous animals. Can you imagine if you were the sheep of David? Like, after, like you, after you see what David did for you, like, I imagine you would kind of walk with a strut and be like, okay, David, all right. Like, you can walk in those valleys where you know there's a lot of lions and tigers and bears and be like, come at me. It's all good. It's fine. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I got David here. You, I could be in your mouth, and I'm not worried. This David guy's good. This is, this is the reality of the Lord is your shepherd. When you walk through these valleys, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you actually have someone that's more powerful than anything else around you. Remember the movie Lion King? That was one of the first movies I saw in the theater. Um, remember that scene where they go to the elephant graveyard and they, uh, like Nala and Simba, these two lion cubs, like they're, they get surrounded by hyenas and like Simba tries to like muster up like the biggest lion roar that he can and he gives everything and it's just like this little kitten roar and the hyenas are like laughing at him and they're like, do it again. And then he like musters it up again and he, and he cries out, but instead of this like kitten roar, all of a sudden you hear this like a full adult like adult male lion roar and no one knows what's going on and all of a sudden Simba's father Mufasa comes in and like defeats the hyenas and saves the day. When you have God as your shepherd, 
you have a more powerful friend than any other foe out there. When God is your shepherd, he is, he, there is nothing too strong for the Lord. Because, you know, death was the, was the preeminent foe of all mankind. Do you guys know this? There was no one who ever defeated death until Jesus. And Jesus came, and he was the first person to bring death to death. And because he is risen again, because he is more powerful than death, we actually are being led by the person, the only one, who is actually stronger than death. This should give us great comfort. This should be something that helps us. He offers us life. And even when the shadow of death is all around, remember you are safe because his rod and his staff, he will guide you and protect you. In verse five, it says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This one is insane to me. You know, imagine if, if, I was, if you guys were all of my enemies and we were at war, and you were over here and I was over here and there's like, it's an active war zone. The last thing that I would be doing if I was hungry would be to set a table. Like if this was my table, the last thing I'd be doing was be get like a tablecloth on here to put like a decorative, you know, plate above the real plate to get a nice, you know, napkin, put the fork on the left side to put a spoon and a knife on, on the right side. The knife goes in before the spoon. I'm the son of Cindy Lyons, so I kind of know these things. And the last thing I do would just be like to eat something really slowly. Like if I, if I, you guys, my, if you guys are my enemies, and I'm in, and we're in a war, I'm going to try to find some place on here that would give me some sort of protection. I would try to get as small as possible, and I would eat really fast. But if the Lord is your shepherd, He actually has the ability to, in the midst of a battle, in the midst of your enemies, actually stop and to prepare a table for you. And you actually would be able to eat an unhurried meal because you are with someone who is more powerful than any enemy that you currently have, any enemy that you've had in the past and any enemy that you will have in the future. The Lord as your shepherd is able to be able to say things like, no, 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 we'll eat dessert. It's fine. We got, we got extra time. What this doesn't say is that you will never have enemies if the Lord is your shepherd but if the Lord is your shepherd, that you will be okay in the midst of the battle. God will actually be able to let you slow down to eat as if you were in perfect peace because he is greater than anything else out there. And we know that peace is found next to the perfect shepherd and not the perfect circumstance. Are you getting the kind of shepherd that the Lord is? He wants you to rest in his power. He wants you to rest in his strength. He wants you to rest in his ability, ability to manage everything. It says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In an ancient Jewish world, if, you were, if your head was anointed with oil, it was probably like one of your best days of your life. You know, there's, there's actually this, this custom of hospitality, that you would show respect to your esteemed guest that you would invite into your dinner by anointing that esteemed guest with oil. And David knew about this practice of hospitality. 
And even still, he writes about the Lord God that you anoint my head with oil. David regarded himself as someone very special to the Lord, a guest of the Lord. I think so many Christians actually live as if they've not really been invited to the table of God. Some people actually live like they barely got into the club and they're just like, I'm just gonna hang out in the back. Thanks for having me here. I'm not gonna gonna make any noise, thank you. But what they don't realize is that the Lord has actually invited you. If the Lord is your shepherd, then you are in. You are the, he anoints your head with oil. And I think there's so many Christians, like have you ever been asked the question, like how Christian are you? People ask me that sometimes, like how Christian are you? Like there's not really a spectrum in Christianity. Either the Lord is your shepherd or he is not. Either you've been saved by the grace and the mercy of Jesus or you haven't. And here's the deal, guys. If the Lord is your shepherd, you're invited. You have a seat at the table. He actually anoints your head with oil. It's amazing. God is pouring his endorsement over you. He's glad that you're here and your cup overflows. We cannot contain the blessing of God in our lives. Even if you, can you think about the times in your life where God has just given you blessing upon blessing and you realize like, I didn't deserve this. Like, I don't, I don't have, like, what did I do to get any of this? And the Lord, as your shepherd, loves to bless you. He loves to give you things to overflow it out of your cup. It's amazing. It's amazing. The God who anoints our head with oil, the shepherd who anoints our head with oil, blesses us far beyond anything we could have deserved. That's what you get when the Lord is your shepherd. We cannot contain the blessing that God has for us. Verse number six, the last verse in this chapter. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If the Lord is your shepherd, two things that will always be close to you is goodness and mercy. How many of you need mercy and goodness in your life? This is one of those things that the promise of the good shepherd that sometimes doesn't really make sense. But if you have the Lord guiding you, if you have the Lord leading you, then you're never very far from goodness or mercy. It's amazing, even when you don't feel like there's goodness and mercy following you. If you have the Lord as your shepherd, then you do. And sometimes as Christians, we have to just get to the point where either, we either believe what the Lord said about himself or we don't. And some of us have to like wait for the right things to happen in life for us to feel this goodness and mercy. But I'm so grateful that that's not promised in scripture. What's promised is that he will. The, what's promised is that the Lord, if, you, if the Lord is your shepherd, goodness and mercy are always close. They're always close. And this is not a matter of optimism versus pessimism. This is not a matter of just like looking for the silver lining in a horrible situation. No. Pessimistic people hate optimistic people. Optimistic hate pessimistic people. They don't think they, what I, what, this verse is not asking you to like forget parts of the bad things that are happening or whatever is going on in your life. Be real about the pain of life. Be real about what's happening in your life. Be real about the truth about what is going on in your life. 
but do not forget to be real about the reality of the shepherd. Do not forget that no matter what is happening, goodness and mercy are close. Like a president with his bodyguards, they're always, they're always right together. They're, he's never going anywhere without his bodyguards. You, if, you're, if the Lord is your shepherd, are never going anywhere without goodness and mercy following you. It's amazing. And this is the best news yet ever. And if the Lord is your shepherd, then you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Which means the question is right now is where are you living? Where are you living? If the answer is not in the house of the Lord forever, then this is not all there is. You, you think the place you're at is bad now? And I'm sorry, it gets better. The best is yet to come for you. There are, good, there are so many good things coming for you because if the Lord is your shepherd, you actually get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Do you get why this chapter is read at all different types of situations? Do you get why this passage of scripture is brought up when things feel lost? Do you, do you need comfort today? Do you need peace today? Do you need help? Do you need guidance? Do you need something bigger than you actually managing the things in your life better than you can manage them? Then you need to, to surrender to the good shepherd who only wants good things for you. And you need to surrender to Jesus. You know, 14 generations after King David wrote about God being the good shepherd, Jesus became on the scene. And 14 generations later, this passage in Psalms was, was well known to the Jewish community. People understood that one of the titles of God was a shepherd. He was the good shepherd. And in John 10, Jesus says something that sends shockwaves out into the people. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The thing that you're looking for, the guidance that you need, the, the salvation that only God brings, I'm him. I made it. And if Jesus is your shepherd, then you don't need anything else. If Jesus is your shepherd, you can actually lay down and rest and even eat knowing that he's in control. If Jesus is your shepherd, you can live whole and holy lives. If Jesus is your shepherd, you can go through the hardest thing and still be okay. If Jesus is your shepherd, you can live with an awareness of his overflowed blessing in your life. If Jesus is your shepherd, goodness and mercy will always be close. And if Jesus is your shepherd, you will live forever with God in heaven. So my question to you today on the first day of the year is, is he your shepherd? Like, do you know that he is? You know, I talk to people so, so, many, so often that when I ask them about, do you, is, is Jesus your Lord? Is God your, your shepherd? And they're like, I kind of, I think so. And listen, that's not like a good enough answer. <laughs> Either you know or you don't, there is no spectrum. Either you've declared him your shepherd, you've, you've given everything over to him, or you haven't. 
And my challenge for any of you today, maybe the Holy Spirit is talking to you right now and you want God to be your shepherd because you're just so weighed down with how you're doing it, weighed down with what life is doing. Do you know that today could be your day? How cool would that be if today on January 1st, 2023, you marked the moment when you realized that God is all you need and you gave your life to him. Do you know you can do that today? And in a moment, there are gonna be people at the front and you could actually solidify it today. Any haziness or anything, any like unsure, if you're ever unsure about anything, you can actually make that for real, concrete today. All I have to do is says what it says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's it. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God and by, by confessing with your mouth that you were saved. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is not, it is not difficult. There's no hoops for you to, 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 to go through. You just have to get to a point where you really want the Lord to shepherd you. And so today, I just wanna invite you to stand with me. And as you stand, would you bow your head?